This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by NPM and Liturgy Training Publications. Together, we offer The Essentials of Catholic Liturgy, a series of three foundational courses perfect for music directors and music ministers. Track one of The Essentials of Catholic Liturgy begins on September 19th. This six-week virtual course serves as an introduction to the liturgy of the Roman Catholic Church. Participants will gain a greater understanding that will help them carry out their role as a pastoral musician. All levels of liturgical experience benefit from participating. The Essentials courses are also ideal and foundational for anyone pursuing a certification through NPM. For more information and how to register, visit teocl.org. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is Episode 208 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy, produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us today. Today, we speak to Timothy Johnston about the general instruction of the Roman Missal, or also known sometimes as the germ. We will ask questions like, what are the origins of the general instruction of the Roman Missal? How can we navigate this document for our ministries, both as a tool for learning and as a liturgical reference? Stay tuned also, if you're a member of NPM, to NPM's future programming for more educational support on how to best use some of the liturgical documents to guide our efforts in pastoral ministry. Also, at the end of this episode is mentioned the Essentials of Catholic Liturgy. While this is not the sponsor of the episode, NPM is a proud partner with Liturgy Training Publications and encourages you to check out Track 1 of the Essentials of Catholic Liturgy, which begins on September 19th. Registration closes on the 12th. So for more information on that, visit teocl.org. Again, that's teocl.org. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm speaking to Timothy Johnston. Hi, Timothy. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm well. I have to tell you, it's a very unprofessional way to start, but I just, every time I speak to you, you have such clear audio because you have such an excellent headset. So if you're watching the video version of this podcast, you know that, but we we can thank LTP for this, the concept, because they're the ones that, that, uh, 
you know, obviously with our, our workshops and stuff we did back in the day. Um, yeah, it just is very helpful to communicate that way. I know you're right. Every time I speak to Michael Rizicki on the podcast, yeah. it's the same way. So, <laughs> well, anyways, thank you for speaking with us today on the general instruction of the Roman Missal. So exciting. You know, I know. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But I will also say, and I said this to you before we started, um, some of our listeners, and I will admit myself included, at least upon initial look, may think of the germ as exciting, but maybe also a little daunting because it is, it's a large document. It's a very strong guiding document. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really want to take some time to sit down, explore the roots of the germ, and then see how we can best as pastoral ministers really start to break it open and use it to, of course, the full benefit. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, it, it is a great document um, and certainly a necessary document for pastoral musicians and liturgists. If it's not on your bookshelf, it must be on your bookshelf. Right. <laughs> like, and, and we'll say more about that, but it is pretty necessary for our, our ministry and what we, what we do. Right, right. Well, let, let's start from the beginning. What is the general instruction of the Roman Missal, or as we sometimes call it, the germ? The germ, right. Um, yeah, so the germ instruction, um, I'll give just maybe kind of a quick uh, background uh, in, in how this came to be. So the general instruction, the first time that we ever really had one was in 1969 with the promulgation of mass, uh, of the new mass after the council, taking the principles from the Constitution and the sacred liturgy. And there were some documents that, that came before that. I'm not going to bore you with that. They weren't specifically general instructions in the same way, but they were rubrics like or or descriptions of rubrics on how to celebrate the liturgy, on how to celebrate the mass that came out of Trent and whatnot. So this, in, in a sense, was a, a unique document um, that was promulgated along with the Missal. And it is, in a sense, the introduction, you know, that general in introduction or instruction, as you will, on the principles not only of celebrating the the, the mass, um, but it gives you guidance on how to use the missile and what are the options within the missile in that sense. So if you if you have a Roman missal in front of you, for example, if you open it to the very first pages, the general instruction is printed in the missal because it's part of of that that book. But of course, it's easier to to buy a separate, uh, you know. Oh well, you can't see that because my camera is being weird, but. <laughs> If you buy the actual book, um, it's obviously a little easier easier to navigate. So 1969 was the first that that first edition, and then it was revised um, in 75, and then with the promulgation of the uh, third edition of the Roman Missal in uh, 2002, I think it was. Let me make sure I get my dates. Yeah, um, that was when we get a third um, translation or edition. And there's been some minor revisions here and there to fix some language or grammatical things, but three real really formal um, revisions that have taken place. And so we're using that third uh, revision right now, which is uh, accompanies the third edition of the Roman Missal. Uh, and, and it didn't, uh, you know, it didn't change drastically in terms of uh, structure or, well, some, some things structurally changed, but the same kind of content is all in the current edition as was in the previous ones, maybe just organized a little differently um, or clarified in some cases. And one of the unique things about our, our instruction, and I think this is true for a lot of bishops' conferences, 
is there are the adaptations for the United States are already incorporated into the document. They're not like a separate appendix that you have to go search out. So that's already in embedded in the document. So we took the Latin translation, translated to English and added that in. So that's kind of a brief, a brief history of, of all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So if, if someone's working in a parish and they have an old form of the germ, is it similar to an old form of the Roman Missal where we really should update and probably should be referring to the 2002 version for, versus the other two? Yeah, I, I definitely think if you if you are not using the the most recent edition, um, and again, there were some revisions. So the last publication, I think, was in 2011, 2010. So right around when the actual, because they, again, made some corrections. But you should be using that that particular text because it is specific to the third edition of the Roman Missal. Um, as you know, there were many changes that, that took place in terms of translation. But also in the in the current um, edition of the, the general instruction, um, it, you know, it's updated with the language, you know, it takes into account um, some of the other documentation that had come out since 1975 and update dates that in the in the text itself. So definitely make sure you're using the current one. And like I said, the arrangement is a little different um, in, in terms of the structure to try to communicate the theology that that this particular document is trying to get across it's it's not you can't compare it in a sense to the the, the constitution on the sacred liturgy in the same sense because it is while it has theological and doctrinal underpinnings it really is an instruction in, in the sense that it's providing rules and i don't mean rules as like they're black and white always, some things are black and white, but it's providing sort of the parameters and the directions on how do we prepare the liturgy and how do we celebrate it beautifully and well. And so it it, it's, it reads like a, like a manual, like a, an instruction manual in a sense, um, you know, and, and uh, but I think that stuff's fun, so I don't get too bored reading it. Um, I know it may not be the most exciting things for, for lots of people, but it is necessary. Um, and again, I open it often and I always have to kind of look things up to myself still, you know, even after all these years or just to reassure myself, okay, this is what the general instruction says, or this is why we're doing that. Or, um, you know, just to, to make sure I'm, I'm keeping course uh, in the way that I, I'm supposed to. What is the overall form or structure of the newest revised version of the general instruction? Yeah, no, that's a, a great question. And I was uh, trying to think of, um, how to kind of summarize this. So when you when you look at it, there are kind of three principles uh, that that predominate, predominate is that the word? Uh, uh, yeah, predominate the the um, the overall structure. And that would be mm -hmm. communal, hierarchical, and sort of the sacrificial nature of the liturgy. And there might be some other principles, but those are the three that 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 kind of stand out out to me. And of course, the first one, that communal piece, the, the, the primary impetus coming out of the Constitution of the Sacred Liturgy um, for this kind of a document is to advocate and to assist in the full active conscious participation of the liturgy. So that's, it's organized to help the user understand the parts of the mass. So the way that when you open the table of contents, it's going to give you a little bit of history, or excuse me, um, a little bit of, of introductory theology um, of sort of mass and, and what this is about. But then it really goes on to the dignity of the Eucharistic celebration. It breaks it down then into the introductory rites and each part like 
literally part by part um, all the way through the entire mass. So if you have questions about, oh, what can I sing for the offertory? There's a, there's a section on that. That's referenced then in Sing to the Lord. So Sing to the Lord uses the general instruction as its primary basis, but tries to pull out some of those musical components, for example, and and bolster those a little bit more in the context of, of the United States. So that's the first principle is communal, like it really wanting to, to make sure we can celebrate actively, fully and consciously. Uh, the second one, hierarchical, you know, uh, it, it certainly just even in the manner that it's it's structured, you know, it talks about the bishop, the priest, uh, then the deacons and the laity, the acolytes. So it's hierarchical in that sense of like, who are the ministers of the liturgy? And sort of what are the priorities of the liturgy? It's hierarchical in that sense. And of course, in, in the sense, um, I think to the Lord, kind of referring back to that, talks about progressive solemnity, right? You know, that Monday of the 28th week in ordinary time is not celebrated as Sunday. You know, there's that progression of how we celebrate the liturgy. That isn't as expressly articulated in the general instruction, but by the way that it is structured, it's implied. And when you're sort of reading, so that's why I think to the Lord, for example, I think this is this is what I think sort of breaks that open in more uh, uh, digestible ways and in very concrete ways for us. But it's kind of set up in that way um, as well to get a sense a sense of that. And then the third uh, piece that I think again, um, when you look at the within the preamble on those first chapter, looking at the theological sort of underpinnings and some of the ministerial kinds of pieces, it. It's trying to, again, out of the Constitution, remind us of uh, the sacrificial nature of the liturgy. And, and, and of course, we hear these controversies, they're not controversies, maybe, maybe the, the arguments or dialogues that happen between is the Eucharist a sacrifice or is it a meal? And we know from the Second Vatican Council that it's a both and. I mean, that's part of our Catholic tradition, right? But in this context, it's reminding us that we participate in this sacrificial nature of, of this. And, and one of the things to kind of point out is like, if we think about the first Eucharistic prayer, um, which maybe we don't hear very often because it's a little longer and, and somewhat cumbersome in my opinion in the new translation. Um, but that's my opinion, no one else's um, in, in that sense. But we do, we say in that prayer, we hear and we pray, we ask you to accept and bless these gifts we offer you in sacrifice. And we have to remember that sacrifice in the Latin is about being made holy or to make holy. Um, so it isn't just a bloody sacrifice in the sense of what we hear, you know, uh, in the temple or even what happens at the cross. Certainly it's a memorial of, of that, uh, the crucifixion, but also the, of the resurrection. You know, so we participate in, in that sacrificial nature that we come to share in the very Paschal mystery of Christ um, in this liturgy. And so the way we prepare music, the way we train our ministers, the way we pray, celebrate, stand, all those things, which is also indicated in here. There's stuff about gesture, there's stuff about and why we do what we do. All of that matters because we come to unite our hearts and our mind with the ongoing prayer of salvation. It is Christ's prayer that we pray. Um, it is Christ who celebrates the liturgy ultimately. Um, that's why, you know, we hear at the end of the Eucharistic prayer, through him, with him, and in him, uh, it is it is through Christ, in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit that we offer this prayer to God the Father. Um, and that we we just participate in that sacrifice, that that giving, that thanksgiving as well. So that's kind of the general 
overview of that. But then, as I said, the chapters are really outlined, you know, by introductory rights. Um, you know, it sort of just kind of walks through the mass, breaking it up into introductory rights, uh, liturgy of the word, liturgy of the Eucharist, concluding rites, and literally walks through, there's paragraphs all the way through that walks through each component of the mass. So there's a section on the Gloria, a section on the collect, um, you know, what to sing an offertory, for example, or the, even the, the, you know, as you get towards the end of the instruction, you know, what, what choices of masses do you have? So it helps you kind of understand when there's an optional memorial, for example, I'm just pulling this out, what masses can you celebrate? You know, do you use the optional? When can votive masses be used? What colors are used? So it's really useful. Um, and sometimes you may not need to know all of that, for example, but it is, it's helpful, I think, to be familiar with, with it. Um, on, well, like the catechism, I don't recommend sitting down and just reading it cover to cover. You certainly can. I did because I'm a nerd that way. Um, you know, in that sense, like I, I, I like it and it can be helpful to kind of see it unfold in that way, but also may not be your style. Like, so if that, that seems a little too overwhelming, pick a section and read about it. Like if you're like, oh, I want to learn about the Gloria right now, pick and read that paragraph or however many paragraphs there are. Um, and, and just kind of work your way through as, as best as you're, uh, able to and comfortable in, in doing that. I'm so glad you said to consider not reading it cover to cover, but to use it as a tool for reference on specific areas that you're interested in or that you need to reference to. I think that that brings me to another question I wanted to ask you actually. Um, so if we're listening to this and we are pastoral musicians and we want to cite this document or reference this document um, as a tool for support, um, maybe there is a pastoral situation, pastoral ministry situation in our church where um, you just have a feeling that maybe that's not the right way to go about something like that in terms of liturgy, art, environment, whatever it is, ministry. Um, how can we cite this document or use it as a tool for support without using it almost as like a rule book to kind of to be too by the book and too black and white, like you had mentioned? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that's a really great question in the sense of because, yeah, it's easily to say, you know, here are the rules, just do it this way. And, and and there is some truth to that in a sense, like we aren't just making this up on the fly or week after week, but yeah, pastorally, you know, whether it be a parishioner or you're, you're working with your pastor or deacon, um, you know, in preparing something and there might be some questions, um, you know, you again, be familiar or best you can, or if you can't answer it up front, I mean, one of the best pastoral answers you can always give to somebody is, you know, I don't know the answer at this time. Let me do a little research and I can get back to you. That's, mm -hmm. that is a lifesaver in many, many circumstances. And, and, you know, be honest with people like, you know, I don't know, but again, you know, when you're going through it as a minister, getting a sense of what's in here, becoming familiar um, and what's permitted, because it, there are places, as we know, where there are adaptations, um, you know, that that things can be, uh, uh, you know, and sing to the Lord, I think, again, pulls this out of, of um, the general instruction, like about the offertory song and the, the options that can be used. Well, that's all laid out in the general instruction, maybe not as, as, as uh, poetically or concretely as in sing to the Lord, but it's in there. So I, I think pastorally, we have to, to just be attentive always of our own sort of demeanor in how we respond to things. I know for myself, I tend, not intentionally, 
to come off as very like, well, this is what it says. That's what we're going to do. And I do say that at times. But I know when I'm talking to a parishioner, I have to be very careful in the language that I use and to say, because it can't look like this is my preference. Um, it needs to come out or we need to have that conversation about, well, my understanding from what I know about the general instruction or the way that I, you know, trying to use that kind of language is, you know, the, the church's documents invite us to think about or to consider, or here's what, what I know from the church's documents that we should be considering. Um, so just those kinds of things uh, to, to think about or relate about are, are become more relatable than just saying, well, paragraph 98 says this, so that's what we're doing. Great, you can quote things I cannot, you know, I've been doing this for 20 something years, and I still can't quote things, you know, <laughs> numbers and things. And But there are some people that are really good at that. That's not necessary. I mean, unless it really comes down, down to somebody really wants to see. Um, and, and, I, I, and I've been in those circumstances where somebody's like, well, show me where it actually says that. And I'll be like, okay, let's sit down and, and I'll show them. And that also opens up kind of a door to, to have a conversation about, well, where are you coming from? Like, why do you think we should or shouldn't be doing whatever? I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but it certainly helps them tell me their story and give me a better sense of why they're asking the question or challenging something that might be happening. And also then allows me to be able to respond a little more um, effectively because I, I know the context. People don't always like the answers. And and sometimes, and, and I don't mean this crassly, or I try to say this pastorally as well, is it's not my liturgy. You know, when somebody doesn't like my answer or doesn't like what is presented is, you know, trying to help them understand that this, while, while we may not like everything or we might be challenged by some things it's not my liturgy it's not your liturgy it is the churches and the churches the church as, as a worldwide um, entity of, of the sacramental presence of christ in the world right you know i have to trust that that in time this these decisions have been made this is how this liturgy has unfolded and come to be and it may change again it may change in my lifetime it may change after my lifetime but for now, this is what we've been entrusted with. And as as ministers of the liturgy, we're entrusted with that, maybe not to the same authority as pastors are when they're like ordained, you know, they're, they're said that, but we are, we are entrusted with that to care for it, to bring people into the Paschal mystery through our celebration. And so we want to be as best ably versed in what the instruction says, what the, what the parameters are for our ministry so that we can implement that well. I don't know if that answered that um, very well, but. No, it uh, does. Yeah, I, I do think it does. Let me give one example that I just thought of as you were speaking, and it's very similar to what you were saying. Um, this is an example from when I was full-time in ministry prior to being full-time with NPM. I was a director of music for 13 years, and um, I had a, one or two times where a family was gathering at a Saturday night liturgy or a Sunday morning liturgy um, to, maybe it was the birthday weekend of a loved one that had died or sure. something like that. And they emailed me the week before saying, here are the songs we want for the Sunday liturgy to honor my dad, to honor my mom. Um, so in those scenarios, would something like the germ be able to help us just kind of find that common ground and explain to a family why that unfortunately is just not appropriate? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, along with the Constitution of the Sacred Liturgy and the mm -hmm. general instruction, of course, yeah, I mean, something like that, I mean, that certainly happens in, in many places, right, where 
because yeah. we we've gotten into this mode about themed masses or for particular people and mm -hmm. you know that uh, as you read through the general instruction the paschal mystery is always the theme right and mm -hmm. so yeah to to help that community understand which or that family which isn't always easy without a lot of background work but to help them at least easily understand that you know the church has a liturgical calendar and we have to we you know, we're attentive to the readings of that count, uh, that are assigned to that Sunday. We're attentive to the needs of the whole community because this is the church's liturgy. It's the parish community that's gathering. And while we may celebrate and, and, and pray for or honor, you know, an individual, whether it be a birthday or a wedding anniversary, um, you know, for example, like my parents, when they celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, we did that at the 10 o'clock a.m. mass at, at my home parish. You know, they're still lifelong parishioners at that parish. And you know, we, I worked with the pastor. Um, now, granted, I was a liturgist, so it was a little easier to, to do um, <laughs> in that sense. But, you know, they didn't, while we did some, you know, the blessing from the ritual um, for them, they were not the liturgy in, in that sense. Um, it, you know, it was still the parish's liturgy. It was still the Sunday, you know, so their musicians were involved, their, you know, um, that, that type of thing. But we were able to, to, within the parameters of that the right provides, um, bless them. And so I think something like that, whether it be a birthday or another kind of anniversary or something like that, there are ways that we can incorporate stuff like that. The book of blessings, mm -hmm. that may not be spelled out as much in the general instruction, like how that might be done, but certainly our other, other liturgical documents do talk about that. So like you can do things like that if you look at the book of blessings and, and maybe have accommodations or, um, Compromise isn't the best word, but um, but accommodate the pastoral reality um, mm -hmm. within the parameters of of the liturgy. All right. So um, to wrap up, if someone's listening and they they want their own copy of the general instruction of the Roman Missal, how do they get it? Um, well, that's a great question these days. Um, so if you have a local Catholic bookstore, that's your first place. Um, okay. Go to your local Catholic bookstore. Um, but you can order it, I know for sure, through liturgy training publications, so ltp.org. And I actually think OCP also sells it, if I remember correctly. I don't know about GIA or liturgical press. So those are definitely the OCP and LTP. You can go to the Bishop's Conferences website, and they have a publishing site, because they're the ones that actually publish it. But it's a little more, sometimes it can be a little difficult to find stuff on their page. Um, and they're actually closing down their publishing house um, this year so right. you won't mm -hmm. be able to find stuff there in the coming months but for now you're able to and you could order it directly from from the bishops but but certainly ltp and ocp those would probably be your easiest um finds um but again your local catholic bookstore if you have one because they really rely on on that business to stay in business and as ministers we should support those in that kind of ministry as well that's right support any local bookstore but especially your yeah. local catholic bookstore so Buy local. All right, that's, that's right. great. <laughs> so, so to wrap up our time today, Timothy, one thing that you and I were just talking about that is similar but not the same is that, you know, of course, as pastoral ministers, we're always learning. This is always what we do. And you and I were talking about how track one of the essentials of Catholic liturgy is coming up. Now, full disclosure to those who are listening, this is not sponsored by LTP, but Timothy is a huge part of the essentials of Catholic liturgy. So, um, you know, if someone's listening and they're considering taking track one, 
Um, what are yeah. some of the favorite things that you had as an experience teaching it? Because you have taught it in the past or sure, helped to teach it. Sure. No, in person and, and online. So yeah. That's right. Yeah. So for those of you that, that maybe haven't heard over the last several years about the essentials of Catholic liturgy, it was something that was developed It's a three track part or series that was developed in, in collaboration with NPM. Uh, for music ministers, ultimately, especially those music ministers who are coming in brand new and fresh. And I think Essentials Track 1, I mean, it really is Essentials, like it's it's the basic. And one of my favorite things in, in teaching um, this particular course, and I'm not this this round, but is the kinds of conversations that end up happening because we have a there's an online forum that that um, all the participants have access to where there um, are discussion questions where people can share best practices or ask questions of their colleagues from around the country like well how do you do this in your parish like I, i'm kind of looking for some things and i just what i love about that are the light bulb moments like there's just so many light bulb moments that sort of happen in those conversations where you know, we've had brand new music ministers take this um, who are fantastic musicians but had no background in liturgy, right? And so they're just blown away, like, because they don't even know how to use a Roman Missal. And that's sometimes how basic we get. But we've also had ministers who have been 20, 30 years. We have even had master's degree, like people with master's degrees in music or liturgy take this. And they always not only contribute to the conversation in really robust ways, but they always walk away with some sort of like, oh, wow, never thought about that even though it is is an essentials course. So you might think, oh, well, I already know everything. And, and you may, you may know everything in the course, but your wisdom, your experience is also part of what we're doing within this course, um, being part of the, the conversation and, um, and maybe just even refreshing some of that skill level within yourself. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a fun, it's a fun track, but in the, in the first track, it, it, we, it really walked through like, what is the general instruction? What is the Roman Missal? What are the lectionary? What is the three-year lectionary cycle? Like really kind of basic things. And you might be kind of, you might be one of those people like, well, I don't need that, but you will be surprised if you take it out of, out of the hundred or so people I've had in the class so far, I'm just always amazed because I'm always like, oh, is this too basic? And they're like, no, 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 like, this is exactly what we need. Like, no one's ever told us these things. So it, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Um, uh, and a lot of great conversation. So. And one of the things I do know is that one of the advantages, of course, of being a part of NPM um, is that we, so many of us depend on that, that community feeling, um, mm -hmm. that, that, that networking, that knowledge, that base of knowledge from other pastoral musicians across the country. And, um, yeah. I do think that ECL is an extension of that. It is, I, I, I think that's highly valuable, highly valuable. Yeah. I mean, just since you said that one of my other examples, I don't remember, it might've been like the second time we did it virtually, um, the uh someone had asked a question about like a gathering song for some specific occasion i can't remember what it was but he got like 25 different responses and Aww. then so folks were kind of asking like hey can you put this together for us like in a spreadsheet and then like send it to all of us and so oh, i did nice. you know that was something because like they were like well, this is a great kind of collection um you know and all of our minds came together to to put that together so you know you get some resources that way a lot of free content that comes with it or it's part of the registration, but you're going to get a lot of articles. You're going to get a lot of, um, of just different kinds of resources that you can use in your own ministry, use with your liturgy committees, your music planning committees, if you, you want, um, whatever, whatever that looks like in your, in your community. 
Excellent. I'll put the information about ECL, especially track one in the show notes of this episode, if you're interested. Um, I know I took track three back in the winter whenever it was offered and uh, track three, it was a little more, I don't want to say advanced, but it was a little more like, like, how would you describe it? Like more, a little more theological? Yeah, I would say it's a, it's definitely a little bit more theological. Um, it's not it's not the basics in the sense of like what is their own missile. And track three is a little bit more. Each session is topical, whereas mm-hmm. tracks one and two, you kind of need to go through session one, two, and three in 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 some order because they okay. build upon mm-hmm. each other. But but track three is very topical, you know, and purposefully so um, to give that advanced musician, liturgist, um, and again, not that you have to have a master's degree to take it, but it's kind of a step up, you know, from Mm -hmm. track one, track two. So a little bit, um, you know, a little bit more reading, not anything heavy or crazy, um, but getting to dive just a little bit deeper. So like session one, which is one that I did, is on the church in the modern world. And so we do a little bit of, 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 um, history of looking at uh, the liturgical renewal and the movement and how that really was the impetus not only for the council but for liturgy and justice um, early in the in the uh, 20th century um, and sort of what that means even in our own context today um, so looking at how history really connects to what's happening today so um, yeah so it dives a little just a little bit deeper into some uh, topics like evangelization and liturgy um, I'm trying to think what the other ones are now. Um, how to celebrate, like the Ars Celebrande, that is one mm-hmm. topic. So the beauty, the art of of, of celebrating, mm-hmm. and and what that means for our ministry, and how do we accompany the other folks who might be preparing environment or uh, who are presiding? Like we're all into the, into this, we're in this together, right? So we need to be able to support one another. And so the more knowledge or at least awareness we have of some of this stuff the better we're able to accompany one another um, in, in our ministry. So we don't have to be experts in everything, right? But awareness helps us um, accompany one another. I agree. Well, as always, you've given me, and I know our listeners, plenty to think about. Um, I thank you so much for your time today, Timothy, on this topic. Such an important topic. It actually, I told you this before we started, it was a topic requested by our listeners. So Thank you so much for giving us just that yeah. first step into looking at the general instruction. It has been it has been always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it's always great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Timothy for his time today. For more information about the general instruction of the Roman Missal and the essentials of Catholic liturgy, check out the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. 
On an editorial note, the outro music of this episode was appropriately picked. As the composer of Taste in Sea, as being played right now, is James Moore. And unfortunately, James recently passed away at the recording of this episode. May his soul and all the souls of the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Taste in Sea was produced by GIA Publications and again was written by James Moore. Today's theme music was produced by Aaron Chows, and this episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts, empowering us for the work of ministry, thank you for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here soon on Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday.